Hi, it's Philip and Matt of Next Up Bat. Yeah, welcome to the second episode of our relaunch. We're excited to bring it to you. Yeah, it's two weeks later. We're releasing every two weeks now. That's the schedule we're going to keep to now. Yeah, we we, we believe in ourselves consistently every two weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we hope that you believe in us too because it's going to be important for us. Yeah, that's one of uh, many changes that we're revamping. We're, uh, we're coming back strong. We're going national with a whole bunch of uh, new... In- content for you but for today enjoy some shakespearean improv with juliet and juliet recently had to teach improv to like 12 year olds and i hate them them (laughs) oh god yeah i've taught improv to preteens and it did everything turn into like a gun like that's what my experience has been is 12 year olds they literally kill their scene partner in every scene they panic because they don't know what to do and they pull out a gun and just shoot their scene I've, I've partner. T- I've had adults that do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't have that. It was all, it was mostly memes. They would just like, oh, oh God. Were, were they dank memes? Yeah, I'm sure they were. Well, as long as they're dank. Ugh. You guys, if you want to make, if you want to hear something that makes me sound like just like the grandpa of society, <laughs> I, for the most part, hate memes. Oh, just, yeah, me too. I hate mm-hmm. them. I don't get them. You figured out how to put text over a picture. Great <laughs> job, buddy. I hate I'm done. all of I'm these. I'm done. The constant need to not experience in the moment, but document instead. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It, because of this like need of, for validation on social media. Watching the concert through the recording on your phone right. yes. instead of with your eyes. I, this is yeah. how I'm out of touch. I get so mad at that because I'm not super tall. Yeah. I'm like, put your phone down so I can see, God damn it! I did not pay $200 to stand 500 feet back and not see Ed Sheeran because sure. your phone is up. Ugh, I'd pay for an opportunity to not see Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Me too. Hi, I'm Philip. Hi, I'm Matt. First we'll have a little chat, then put on our incubators. Now it's time for Next Up Bats! All right, and we're here today with Juliet and Juliet. <laughs> Uh, and we have Megan Wolf with us. What's up? And Sammy Haley. That's me. Yeah. Uh, so you two have a few more shows left in your current run. Yeah. We sure do. Uh, and glad I said that so we can make sure that we get this out right away. <laughs> uh, speaking of we, I'm here as always with Philip Simondet. Hi, I'm Philip Simondet. And your host as always is... Matt McLeod, yeah. Juliet to Philip's Juliet. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm definitely the lesser Juliet. Yeah, yeah definitely the lowercase Juliet. Yeah. We uh, don't have a lowercase Juliet. I know, you two are yeah. both capitalized. Yeah. Yeah. All caps? No, that would just be a shouting. Yeah. <laughs> Juliet. Which, Juliet! <laughs> exactly. I'm, uh, Juliet! And Juliet. Although we did like... This was just my pipe dream of us producing a scripted Juliet and Juliet show where it was like a modern day sequel to Romeo and Juliet, where it was like Romeo and Juliet again. Oh, yeah. But it was like Julie, comma, yet again. And Uh it was like their on again, off again relationship. (laughs) Had they they obviously survived. (laughs) Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 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 Like the trauma version. The what? what? uh, Tromeo and Juliet. What is that? What? Wait, uh, Trollio? No, tr- okay. you mean Nomeo and oh, Juliet? Nomeo. No, no. Okay, so there, there was a, there's a, <laughs> there's a movie studio uh, that's now defunct, but uh, that did like super B level movies, probably C movies, uh, called Trauma, and they did like 
uh, kind of a super punk rock kind of graphic version of Romeo and Juliet called oh. Romeo and Juliet. What? Uh, what? And in that day, they actually survived. Uh, I was okay. thinking of huh. the cartoon Romeo and Juliet with Emily Blunt, I think, yeah. and James McAvoy were their garden gnomes. Oh, okay. I was also oh, yeah. thinking and of that, but I was... did so much of the soundtrack. Elton John that and I... Lady Gaga. They worked together That's... on it. Yeah, there's no A-listers in Tromeo and Juliet, <laughs> but it is good. Uh, I mean, it's super rated R, though, just for any listeners out there. Uh, All right. Yeah. Nomeo and Juliet is rated G. <laughs> is that or is it like PG? PG. It might be PG. They might throw a damn in there. Whoa. Yeah. Gnomes don't swear. <laughs> as, far as, as far as you know. Yeah, I guess. Maybe they swear when I'm not around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> According to this film, they have entire lives when we're not around. Wow. It's like Toy Story meets Shakespeare. Gosh. Wow. It's terrifying. But entirely outdoors. Uh, the idea that toys play and have lives when we're not in the room is actually fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's like pretty creepy. Yeah. I can't believe we weren't all creeped out by Toy Story <laughs> yeah. as children. Like, I was. These I toys had big are... issues with it. Yeah. Everyone was super moved by Toy Story 3 because, you know, that we were people who were, what's his name, Andy's age when the first one yeah, came out. Sure. We're like also going to college when he yeah. went to college. And it was, yeah. I was, I was just like, you know, this was always just a little wrong. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I'm a monster though. So I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like you're sleeping at night and what are they doing? Are they like creeping up on you? Just yeah. watching? <laughs> exactly. All you need is one bad toy in the bunch and you're. That one baby doll with one eye and like wiry hairs and yeah, it's like mama. I, I mean, in, in a, in a if, if you put a different soundtrack to that, that's a fucking horror movie. <laughs> it's Chucky. Yes. The alternate. It's that's just Chucky, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Google later, like like a horror film cut of. Oh, that has <laughs> to Toy Story exist. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be Someone. memes. Someone has made it. Yeah, there's going to be a meme. Hey, somebody please send us that. I want to see yeah, that. Yeah, I want to see that too. If you, it, we will definitely air it. Right? It's uh, the rule of the internet wherever you've thought yeah, of it. It's like someone else has already done it. Yeah. Is that rule 36? Or no, that's 46? like the porn one. It's like oh. if you've thought it, there's a porn oh, for so it. There's probably a <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a Shakespeare porn out there. Oh, definitely. I've never oh. looked for one because I respect respect myself <laughs> not that you couldn't respect yourself and look for one i just know it would be very damaging for me yeah sure uh so speaking of shakespeare not porn uh <laughs> you two do a shakespearean improv show yeah uh and uh so i've often wondered how did you conceive of this uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I had done improv, improvised Shakespeare a couple of times, um, in the past, um, at the Hideout Theater in Austin when I lived there. Yeah. Um, and then with No Holds Barred in Minneapolis. Right. Um, way back in the day, uh, that Shanez, uh, had, had put together and, um, it was a lot of fun, but you know, it's like, it's hard to keep a big group of people together and doing something and especially something that honestly is like, it is like work intensive and it's. Um, commitment intensive. Lots of rehearsals. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you you have to really love the material. Right. And so it's hard to keep that together. And then, uh, Sammy and I met via Improvised Jane Austen, Manners and Misconduct. Right. Um, and I was like, hey. Yes, exactly. Um, and I was like, hey, here's someone who looks like they enjoy, like, the language and, um, would enjoy doing this show. 
I'm really obvious when I like things. I don't. <laughs> I'm not like coy about it at uh-huh. all. I like will brand myself with the things that are interesting or enjoyable to me. Sure. And so during the Jane Austen one, I very loudly gave ideas and opinions on what this world and genre was like and was very excited about it. And then I was really pumped when Megan wanted to do an improvised Shakespeare because she's just like so good with words like all of the words and I'm just like really happy to be here all the time so <laughs> and when she says brand herself with the thing she likes she means literally she has like a fancy s tattooed on her butt <laughs> now lie. everyone needs to know. you don't know if it's a lie I don't think That's you've ever true. seen my butt it's true it could be there uh, <laughs> uh, next time figure out a question to ask now uh, <laughs> so, careful uh no i know i have to like <laughs> left turn sorry are we not supposed to talk about butt tattoos <laughs> no, on no, the it's, show it's fine we talk about phillips frequently matt you uh, should have told me this before i got started uh, it's okay you need to know i have certain expectations when wolf's on the show uh so so you you started this was it two years ago no two and a half two yeah. and a half mm-hmm. okay like fall of Fall of whatever year we started it, and it's now... 2015? Yeah, exactly. And I think it was, like, conceived in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, And then... And you rehearsed for a while We rehearsed for a little bit, and then the first shows came out in fall of 2015. Yeah, it was, like, November, December, something like that. September, September, October, November, December. It was, like, an October... Sure. It was an October... Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. It was a Something fall like run. What, was it? Oh, it was, so you started with a run. I was wondering if you if you started with like Improvathon or something like that as a one off. I think we started with um, Wednesdays. With Wednesdays, yeah. Okay. A Wednesday run at Huge. Well, my, my in, initial question was how long did it take for you to rehearse together before you felt comfortable getting up on the stage? Uh, I think we probably put in maybe, I want to say like four to six. I don't remember though. Wow, that's like fast. rehearsals? Yeah. We we had like two months, yeah, roughly, yeah. where we were rehearsing, um, and some of the rehearsals were more talking, just sure. like hashing out ideas. And we we've had tons of rehearsals and times in the past where we would just compile lists of like Shakespearean tropes and right. um, verbiage, and we've had rehearsals of just doing it and working archetypes or relationships but we had like two months before we put it on the stage and those were just like 20 minute runs like sets and now we do like 45 plus minutes yeah which is incredible uh so i remember i was i was doing a wednesday run when you when you had your first run yeah and uh and i i remember i was thinking a duo doing shakespearean improv i was like what the fuck and like uh and on the uh and on a wednesday like are the audiences going to be receptive and stuff like that and like it was the first night and we were sitting in the green room because i think we went up after you and it was like the audience you just crushed the (laughs) like and the audience was so into what you were doing knowing that not everybody like shakespeare's not inaccessible, but difficult for for people to take in. I think that 
most Shakespeare's pretty it's presented inaccessibly. Yes. I think I agree that, with that most productions that you see Shoot of stage the Shakespeare are oftentimes something that people don't feel like they could or even want to see. I agree with that. And that's been I love Shakespeare and I always have loved Shakespeare. I like studied it and um, in high school, I went in college and, and I studied abroad to study it uh-huh. and I have always loved it. But it's something that just like it really is not something most people can get into. Right. And part of it's like the theaters become pretentious and part of it is uh-huh. the people who love Shakespeare become pretentious about loving Shakespeare. Yep. Like, you're going to like it my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. So my, my question is, how do you connect so well with the audience? Like, how do you, how are you able to bring them in? Um, I think it's because, I, th- I think there's this weird disconnect where what we do is, is very, cl- like, it sounds like Shakespeare in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot of like the hallmarks that you're looking for. Tropes um, and such. Exactly. Yeah. The stuff that unless you're, I think that there's a difference between sitting in front of a text of Shakespeare. Right. And when you're away from that text thinking what Shakespeare is. Right. And we sound what, we sound like Shakespeare when you're away from the book. Right. When you're, when you're not looking at it. So we have all these hallmarks that in your mind are there. Sure. But we're honestly we're not as convoluted right, um, as right. as what you look at on the page, well, I mean, that's, um, and I yeah. don't think that it would be as enjoyable if we were that convoluted. Sure. Um, so I think there's this place where the audience is listening to it, and in part because we tell them it's Shakespeare, and in part because we have all of these kind of like markers or all these signposts that they're looking for. They're right. like, oh yeah, this is improvised Shakespeare, but it it is also simplified in a lot of ways. And okay. I think there's um there's so much nonsensical language in Shakespeare even to the people who have read it for years and devoured it for years there's sure. references that without the historical context you're never going to get. Absolutely. As a contemporary person and so I think what we do pretty well is we just sort of eliminate all of these ridiculous sorts of uh, dialogues that you wouldn't know what it means. Right, you know, right. we'll still, we were the parts of Shakespeare that you can understand without having to have some advanced degree in Elizabethan history or right. <laughs> as it were. I don't know. I think also there's like, when you're, when you're up there performing it, there's this place where you can feel, when the audience reacts to something that you've said because it emotionally resonates with them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like through the language they've gotten to like the heart of what you're saying. And then there's times when they react because you said something that they can't quite, f- like they honestly couldn't quite follow you all the way there, but they're nevertheless impressed that you like, right. That you said something that they can't follow. Like you just made up yeah. a turn of phrase off the top of your head that they, the the viewer can't like quite grab onto um and i think it's you've like you you have to hit a mix of both of those things i think you want a lot more of the emotional but having a blend of both of those just like makes it very exciting for it's like very dynamic for for people to watch and enjoy which is uh, a unique aspect of your show it's it's pretty rare that uh other improv 
has that aspect to it. Yeah. So yeah, so you're you're bringing a lot of different, you know, types of entertainment, and and you you mentioned tropes, uh, like the Shakespearean tropes, and at mm-hmm. at at his core, Shakespeare was a tremendous storyteller. Yeah. Uh, with like lots of fun aspects to the stories it's especially in my opinion the comedies yeah well, uh, there's there's a lot of great storytelling in Shakespeare but he also most of his stories were borrowed yes you know it was stories that had already been told in some other capacity but he just made them better or he was the first to pen them as a play right. and so we try not to get too clever with our plots and it's we've accepted that you know it's okay to tell the similar sort of a hero's journey Uh or whatever it is it's our take on it and this what we get from each other and from the audience it's going to make it different or special yeah they start they're pretty much sitcom premises to begin (laughs) with Mm -hmm. so there's nothing wrong with just doing that Sorry, had yeah. you got? I I didn't catch like the end of your end of your question. We were talking about Shakespeare being a storyteller, but I didn't know if you had like a a driving question at the end. Oh, of it. Uh, so I, I mean, I was so I was wondering, like you said earlier, that you you've had rehearsals where you literally just make lists of like tropes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over the you know years of working together, do you find that you know if uh, if Megan like jumps into like a certain trope, Sammy, do you recognize it and you're able to like kind of play into that because you've kind of done this work together? Usually, it, it we name each other or whether we know the character's name yet or not, we give some sort of thing really quickly where you'll jump out into a scene and she'll say my king and i immediately know this is a king advisor trope sure or she'll say something sort of confusing and do like like a, a query of some sort and like oh this is probably like a fool and traveler trope or sure. uh, there's there's clues not even clues there's just obvious statements made right at the top of scenes and so we're able to identify oh Okay, this is a nurse and young woman uh-huh. scene or a star-crossed lovers scene. Right. Wait, he did star-crossed lovers? Anyway. Once uh, in a while. <laughs> Every, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I think for me it comes from a fundamental um belief that like a lot of storytelling and improv comes from relationships and changing relationships. Yeah. Like you can map m- most stories as the story of like changing relationships between people. Yep. Um, and so I think that I've always viewed them as more of, it's just such a like nice firm footing for starting a story of knowing what the baseline relationship is. Definitely. Um, Cause then you have so many different places that you can go from that. Right. It was making me think that, you know, Shakespeare himself was super influenced by like Italian Commedia dell'arte. Yeah. And this feels very Commedia dell'arte. Yeah. In, in in a lot of ways where It can be, yeah. You can, you know, you step into those like the the different archetypal roles yeah. and then but then where you go is completely improvised. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it also takes some pressure off from um I, I've heard other people talk about one of the challenges of two-person improv is that you you never get to be off. Right. Um, so there's never space. So it gives us some ground also uh, where it's like, okay, we just finished 
um, something that it's like maybe it didn't fit into um, a, a classic relationship archetype or a classic set of characters that we know. Right. And then you have to turn around and get back on stage and present a new scene. Immediately. And it's kind of helpful to also have this like backlog of knowledge. Even if you don't walk out thinking, hey, I'm going to be a classic fool. Right. Some part of your brain is filling in that set of information for sure. you so that you're not... Uh, you're not just completely lost when you have absolutely no time between the end of one scene and the start of the next. Yeah, the only time you get a, a any sort of pause is if someone's soliloquies, you know, which we, sure. we, we do in a lot of our shows where one character will soliloquy for a while and that's the only opportunity the other person has. To breathe. To take a minute and not be on the stage. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done 45-minute 40, duo sets before and they are that's some grueling stuff but it's fun i love the feeling i feel it it feels like you've been on like a like a good long run yes yeah or i was telling people yesterday we had a really fun set last night and i was like it felt like i just got done with like a 45 minute party but where i was like i wasn't just like at a party i was like the person in the middle of the dance floor just Uh like throwing my arms in the air like (laughs) screaming party the whole time (laughs) (laughs) Like that was me, and I just. But you know, after forty five minutes of that, like you're tired. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, but you're, you know, you're the person in the middle of being like, yeah, party, <laughs> party, party. I slept like a bag of sand after the set last <laughs> night. It was really fun, but I mean, honestly, I've I've never done a duo. I had never done a duo before this, and sure. I loved the idea of getting to play that much, and yeah. I still love it. <laughs> it's, it's a chance to uh, just see how far your brain can Absolutely. go. Yeah, it's, it taxes your brain in no other, like nothing else can do. Yeah, it, it really does. <laughs> but in such a cool way. Yeah. Like if your brain can take it, it's just the best yeah. exercise. I think it's also, um, right beca- in part because you don't have any of that time to think, I I do think that like if, if people listening have never done uh, yeah. duo sets and especially like longer ones yeah i think that eventually it it really helps you like it it helps you improvise in a completely new way yeah. where you don't there's there's no part of your active brain that's filling in for you right it's, you're just stepping out every single time and letting you know like all of you know whatever it is at your core whatever it is in your subconscious yeah. just lay out the next scene for you and it's really pretty neat and it and it feels good yeah like, exactly you're there you don't you can't second guess and in some ways it like it doesn't feel like the you that you're familiar with right right if you're always doing improv with your conscious you know your conscious self you're always you as you know you right yeah <laughs> Not to get mm. too flipping weird over uh, here no no it's 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 very yeah. true um did you notice like was there a point where uh you noticed that kind of shift was it immediate with the the duo format where you noticed yourself stop thinking and just start being i think for for me with this as soon as we started getting it on its feet it was pretty immediate but that's because the source material we're working with being shakespeare working within the confines of a genre and it being a genre that i know well and love it was just a chance for me to do something that i always wanted to do to just exist in this sort of Shakespearean world um so that switch for that was pretty pretty quick and I've felt very spoiled that my first duo has been with Megan because I 
know that if I maybe don't have something to say, I know that she will. Like I've ne- I've never once been worried during one of our shows of how are we going to handle this or what if my brain goes blank. Right. And that's something that I feel very like spoiled and privileged with because I know like Megan is like the smartest person. So just <laughs> just for the sales. No. <laughs> so for the me. listeners out there, <laughs> Megan is the smartest person. <laughs> no, shut up. She is the smartest person. <laughs> You're like you, and then just, just for the listeners, Megan is writhing on the couch in pain right now. The only people as smart as you that I've met are like all the French improvisers, because all the French improvisers I met are also scientists. That's true. That's so true. like I know a bunch of very good French scientists. multilingual improvising scientists. Yeah, and like Megan is on their level, and like that they're the only people who maybe can like take uh, uh the rug from under her feet sure i'm only a phd in chemistry away from <laughs> <laughs> i'm a phd in chemistry and fluency in a second language away from. It, i mean it, it's funny because that does sound made up it's it's like you know my my French scientist bilingual improvising friends. The only yeah. people who I have met who are French improvisers are also scientists. It's yeah. like more than one. So <laughs> now they're all going back to France. Oh, well, Fr- France needs scientists too. Yeah. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> they're like shooting off particle cannons, but they haven't planned it because they're improvisers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, for me, it's when when I'm doing improvised Shakespeare, it's the difference between um, being able to use the language fluently and not. Yeah. Honestly, uh, like you'd think that you'd think that a lot of improvised Shakespeare, again, is with like your your conscious brain. But the dialogue goes so quickly um, and is so unnatural in some ways that if you're trying to use that part of your brain to do it you're not going to be able to consistently keep up and i know that like i can i can feel the difference between when i'm trying to improvise with that part of my brain and when i've just like gone ahead flipped the switch and been like all right we're doing shakespeare like take over buddy is it is it harder when you're actually trying oh yeah Yeah. absolutely uh i feel like that's when like i know that's when i've got like breaks and pauses and I'm I'm sort of always struggling for the next word. Whereas if I just trust myself to finish a sentence, yeah. I always make it to the end of it. <laughs> and to get there, our in, our like warm ups are really involved. So we okay. we exist in that world, like reading in that world and like speaking and then improvising in the Shakespearean world for quite a while before our sets. Uh-huh. Uh Well, I, I was going to ask: Do you still find that? that happens occasionally like the that your your active brain takes over uh like does it want to get back in there or do you are you able to mostly just be and let it go very rarely when i'm doing this show once in a while my improviser brain Uh becomes an asshole and takes over like if there's maybe a smaller crowd or something that I thought was really good didn't land the way I thought it should have and then my brain turns back on and it's like hey why didn't they respond to that Uh that was really smart the way that you made that metaphor about Uh like rice cakes or whatever it was like and like they didn't even acknowledge it yeah basically our sets are all about rice cakes um but 
the the, the improv group. But yes. wait, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, if my my asshole improv comedy brain yeah. sometimes uh, likes to wake up during during shows where maybe they get a smaller crowd or something, and I'm trying to overcompensate, yeah. but that doesn't happen. All that often because our crowds are huge. Val <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rosowski says uh, our, our ego is an asshole and a liar. Yeah. yeah. So that's when that might happen occasionally. And then I will try to overcompensate and be like, well, that didn't work. So think of something clever, which just never fucking no, works. No. Uh, yeah. How about you, Megan? Um, yeah. I felt like these last two shows that we had. Um, very recently i were the ones this run where i was finally consistently like in the groove the entire time yeah um and then i had a couple of weeks before that where it's like uh a lot of the show i would be pre- i'd be pretty consistent yeah um but then sometimes i just i i wasn't uh for some reason and i spent you know i spent a little bit of time um like trying to figure out for myself why that is and sure. i think part of it was that i had been traveling a lot for work last year so i had been doing a lot of comedy sports but i hadn't kind of done a lot of other improv besides that sure so i think part of it was like getting back into a groove of like hey like you get to do like you get to come and play in just like a 45 minute narrative right um and getting myself like back into that kind of style of improv and then part of it was like january is like a rough time yeah um january and i think it's just always suck exactly yeah. like it's it's rough like i had uh i'd been like having like having some trouble with other stuff and i think part of it was like kind of weirdly just like trusting myself yeah there was part of me that was struggling for so much control in other parts of my life sure that it was really hard to then get on stage and say hey i know that 24 7 you're out there just trying to keep a hold of everything right you need to like let go for 45 minutes yeah uh so i like i think part of it was just that of just like hey you need to be okay not being in control improv as therapy is like not a good like, like it, it, it can be like a really dangerous thing i've had times where it's I, like i agree with that i hash out whatever problem comes out during improv because you turn your like <laughs> you like let your brain just kind of go and then all of a sudden your scenes become about the fact that like your job sucks or something and yeah. like, <laughs> like that sort of thing can really just like mess with you and, and uh i was gonna ask like what you do about that to like try to stay present but you already mentioned that you have like really involved warm ups. Yeah. Like it sounds like Megan, you you do some like good reflection and yeah. Stuff I like feel that. like at this point it's just um it's like I've gotten used to it again now. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's like okay, I'm I understand this again. <laughs> like I f- I feel comfortable in this again. Sure. So. Whenever I get too in my head, I like to try to do something physical with my body for improvising. Like if I just engage my body in a different way it helps me get out of my head because if i just stand because like the risk of doing something like improvised shakespeare's it's so wordy that you could just kind of stand there and spout off some Uh clever words and that's an easy way to one be boring but also like get in your head because you're just standing there so if i find myself thinking a little too hard i'll try to take a physical stance to make my body different yeah and that helps me. Yeah, I agree. I think like emotion and character for me are always like two big ones uh-huh. where it's like, hey, if I feel like I'm in my head too much, it's just like, hey, obviously, I think if you're thinking 
a lot about it you're not committing to whatever emotion it is or sometimes it's just like finding the right character like last night I felt I felt I felt like I found a character that I was in for a good part of the show uh-huh. that it was just like I felt so I felt so at home there sure it never felt like making up you know dialogue for this character it just kind of felt like I was I was them and saying their stuff. <laughs> and we have to make really specific choices with these characters because there are only two of us. And it doesn't happen all that often. But sometimes we write ourselves into a corner where maybe I have played two characters that now need to meet. So sure. you could try to like go between two places physically on the stage or you could let the other your duo partner play one of these characters that you've played. And so we have to really try to make obvious physical and emotional choices so the other person so, can embody and then the audience yeah. isn't confused the audience isn't like wait a minute but you played the duchess yeah. why are they also the duchess or is this a new duchess wait that's the word that we were looking for yesterday yeah we said duke a lot i don't think we ever said duchess because i don't think the word ever came to me <laughs> no what's I'll- the other part to a duke God. i kept saying kingdom no, instead of dukedom and yeah. i don't know <laughs> We weren't we weren't super clear on the rules of that feudal nation. <laughs> F-U-T-I-L-E. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that feudal nation. <laughs> well, speaking of someone who's regularly feudal, <laughs> now's the time of the show where I throw the microphone over to Philip Simondet for a brand new segment that we call Philip's Corner. It's Philip's Corner. Cha. Welcome to Philip's Corner. Thank you. It's so nice here. It's it's way cozier than the corner has ever been. A lot of the yeah. meat has rotted and away. T- turned into the, these beautiful couches. Yeah. I always wondered how a couch got made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, these couches are are not vegan. Sorry. That's uh, okay. I need to go. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Philip's Corner is a brand new segment we're going to try out. Okay. S- starting now. Where I... <laughs> Ask you a random question because I haven't uh, contributed to this interview yet. <laughs> I, I just wondering. sat I'm here. About it. <laughs> I just sat here and let the adults talk. But now it's time for you the kids' a table. Lot. <laughs> uh, smiling's great for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm the lesser Juliet. I really heard that second host smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'll look uh, into your eyes one at a time and extract a question from your soul. But this is Minnesota. Megan. Yeah. Do you believe people when they tell you things? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say that I, for the most part, believe people. Yes. Your go-to is to trust. Yes. I think so. Cool. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Um, follow up question. Philip? Yeah. What? Do you believe her? I do. I totally do. Okay. I, I know Megan. I know. I, I believe she's a inclined to be trustful. Yeah. That being said, I feel like a lot of the times you have to um, parse what people are saying um, because they're. <laughs> Here we are talking about our Shakespeare improv show, and I'm about to tell you that most of the time, I think people say too many words <laughs> for the heart of what they're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so in, like like a norm- got- in like a 
a, a different type of improv set you think people talk too much is that what you're saying not in improv I'm oh, just in about life like a, i'm talking about in life yeah oh sure <laughs> uh yeah there you go okay sammy i'm here are you good about doctor checkups no Ooh. Uh, when was the last time <laughs> well so here's the thing um i get sick almost constantly so I do a lot of urgent care visits and I'm sure they could be easily preventable if I did, you know, like the preventative care yearly visit that you're supposed to, but I never do. So instead I treat my symptoms as they occur and do not get to the oh. root of the problem. Uh, <laughs> I am... I'm definitely like, um, well, I diagnosed myself as a hypochondriac a while ago. And it was, yeah, that was a really fun moment for my college therapist who was like, when I was talking to him and I'm like, I swear, I'm just like, I have so many problems. I'm such a hypochondriac. And he just had to stop and look at me. And point out the irony of that to me. Sure. Um, but I uh, <laughs> I definitely like Google my problems a lot. Oh. And so I have so many types of cancer. And <laughs> I do a lot of like homeopathic things as well. Like I'll take like a weird oil for something rather than go to the doctor. And part of this is just because like healthcare is terrible and it's very expensive and i have one of those annoying healthcare plans that doesn't cover anything until i reach a really high deductible it's like all out of pocket until i reach some high deductible so i just avoid avoid doctors as much as possible just do like (laughs) virtuel.com all the time (laughs) so there's a much more involved answer than you probably were going for no that's exactly it's Philip's corner. You got to exactly give Philip his time. <laughs> yeah. But I watch a lot of Doctor Who. <laughs> so I'm cool with oh, that okay, type of that, doctor. I was yeah. like, how is that connected? But doctor, that's, obviously. That's my doctor visit. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tack this in here because during the interview, uh, we haven't recorded in a while, and it wasn't until during the interview that I realized we have to do Shakespearean improv. Uh, yep. Yeah, you Just do. a moment yeah. here. Uh, Which I'm terrified about. It, don't worry about it. You'll be great. Literally. So I'm going to throw in this question from a, a Twitter follower. You can follow us at Next at Bat Pod. I will ask you Philip's Corner questions. And uh, you can also throw in questions for us to ask the groups, like Nathan at Nathan Kelly 90 who asks, How doth one improvise in iambic pentameter? Hey, Nathan. Um, the, the trick is, and now everyone's going to know it, is that you don't, um, is that usually what you are doing is again, close enough Uh that the people watching will be just as delighted by it as if it a hundred percent were. Sure. You don't until you do. Um, there's not every show by any means, but there is often in our shows a moment where you are like, I'm going to impress the shit out of you right now. And so you very clearly lay out some sort of like couplet or something. Uh But that's like not 
If you did that all the time, it would be annoying. You don't see Shakespeare acted out that way. You know, people aren't always going, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? You know, they just say it. And so it doesn't sound like it's in meter when you're seeing well-produced scripted Shakespeare. So we just kind of speak the way that is natural for us and then throw in uh, some sort of rhyming couplet or something on occasion or we'll very clearly lay out like a mini sonnet or something. And then the crowd goes wild and, you know, people rip their shirts off and then we're escorted out of the building. (laughs) Not to be a broken record, because I feel like I keep talking about how, like, like letting your conscious brain, like, take a break. That's good. Um, But, like, it is, you know, iambic pentameter. People, you know, when you're learning it and stuff, everyone's like, it's like your heartbeat, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, But that's true. And so I think one of, again, one of the moments that I find, like, the most joy in our show is when you'll say a word in, in a way that is unusual. And then if you listen back, like, if you think about that phrase later, you'll realize it's because you're like your body took care of the iambic pentameter for you. Yeah. It's like, oh, why did I feel the need to contract every in that moment? It's like, oh, it's because that actually fit meter. And it's not because I was standing up there thinking about how to fit meter. It's because I've read enough of it. And because like that tempo is natural enough in yeah. my body that it was like, hey, I'm I'm going to make this happen. You you felt it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like literally, I guess the answer at the end of the day really is that you just you just feel it. We've taught a lot of workshops about like the introduction to improvising Shakespeare. And one of the things we always do is we do some sort of like a heartbeat exercise to help you speak in a rhythm. And then we, we drill that and then we're like, and now break it and only use it if it feels good. Like, you know, don't, don't sit there trying to be cute by rhyming everything and making everything right. a couplet because that's really annoying. Then you're just listening to how Love's Labor's Lost or Midsummer Night's Dream is written. And if that was acted out the way it's written, people would leave because it's super annoying listening to everything rhyme. Uh, it, now, yeah. is it sort of like for, for improvisers, uh, I mean, this is terrifying, but... Uh, but so is musical uh, improv, but more people have done musical improv. Is it sort of similar to that where just executing a song is going to be impressive enough, but the times where you do, you know, really hit uh, like a couplet or, you know, uh, a really great chorus or something like that, then the audience goes wild. Is it sort of analogous to that? Definitely. And what I love about it, because I think to make a parallel there, um, there's... um, a director out at uh, Comedy Sports Los Angeles, I want to say, who teaches a lot of musical improv workshops. And he talks about how even if if you're in an eight counts, like in a song that's going in eight counts, yeah. um, even if you don't rhyme, you can sing it with a structure that will make the audience realize that you have a structure to your song, even mm-hmm. though that structure is not rhyme. Right. Um, which is like the uh, 8585, five, which is where you sing... One two three four five six seven eight one two three four five, and then six seven eight are silent. Yeah, and if and then you listen to people sing that and they won't rhyme, but you realize whole like they're all listening to that tempo. Right, 
and they're putting a structure into their song even though the structure isn't rhyming right and it's really cool well, i mean we know like there's different um times where in in a shakespearean set that you might want to break out the rhyming or the meter or some sort of uh poetry element and there's like a lot of like mystical characters like a, a witch or something uh-huh. might rhyme everything and that's a good way for an audience member to know yeah. they're they're an other they're not the they're not mortal they're not the standard sure um setting up riddles sort of thing but it becomes exhausting if that's yeah the, the whole thing yeah for the audience too well, not it's, just for it's, us it's, yeah it's it's got to be tedious to listen to also like yeah. who wants to listen to Gollum all day <laughs> <laughs> i mean like riddles in the dark is a great chapter in that book but if the whole of the Hobbit was just riddles in the dark. Yeah, you would right. light yourself well, on fire. Yeah. Well, that was reassuring. Thank you <laughs> yeah. so much. That has been Philip's corner. Um, oh. If you're listening to this after hearing that question and you're mad that more of our show is not in a hundred percent iambic pentameter, you can tweet at next at bat pod uh, with the hashtag iambic frauds. But you have a piece of your mind. But it has to. That tweet has to be in In iambic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Practice what you preach. Hashtag iambic frauds. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. That's for Philip's corner. All right. Are you all ready to do some? I'm sorry. Doth thou want to improvise? (laughs) Barely, sir. Next up, wait. Do we get a suggestion? Yeah, we're getting a. You can. Yeah, you want one? Uh, Catches. What? Uh, cat. What? Uh, oh, give me, give me, we're gonna put together a title. Give me a um, a European s- city. Venice. Venice. Oh no, that's gonna be Merchant of Venice. Fuck no, the other stories in Venice. Other people right. work in Venice too. Other, not just merchants. Uh, and a name. Merchant. <laughs> Matt, don't you tank this. <laughs> See where you're going. Um, a, a name. Um, yeah, a name. Kenneth. Kenneth of Venice. Kenneth of Venice. <laughs> All right, so perfect. This will be the story perfect. of Kenneth <coughs> of Venice. Yep. An almost rhyme. I sir, though many a ship and dinghy has come our way, none that bear the mark my master asked me look for, and yet I wonder, comes the ship not in, for she be still at sea. Comes the ship not in, for she lies at the bottom of the ocean. Or oh, twas never a ship at all, and merely my master's fantasy. I know not the answer, for I be a simple watchman. I do so wonder, Gregor, that day in and day out thou art not removed from this place. Thou hast the patience of a better man, and yet I do think that this patience hath misplaced been, for... Although at the bottom of a sea this ship may lie, or lost at sea it may remain, thou hast no good cause to here remain. Thine life be slipping away from thee, Gregor. Aye, but I have the greatest patience and the best pair of eyes in the entire city. Nay, the entire country, I've been told, though I've ne'er seen the entire country as good as my eyes are. To see they're always turned, and so I do sit upon my post, wishing for no better life, for I know of none. But 
when thine master should return, if thine master should return, what wouldst thou do? Thou hast for so many years been stagnant here as the water in the channels. Ay, should I then take myself away to some greater nation? Perchance, or to another city at least. You you do believe adventure waits me there? Ay. Or I should not longer await adventure here, for I do adventure so deeply crave, but I always did suppose that one man remaining in place would find adventure eventually, for if adventure were not here, it should happen upon me in time. Gregor, before thou searchest elsewhere for adventure, perchance thou shouldst in thine home adventure find, for... Well shouldst thou remember thou hast a wife and a family that thou hast not for many years seen as thou hast been waiting here at this post in Venice for so long. I, as good as my eyes be, my wife and children I have not seen in many, many a year. And yet I cannot leave for my master didst bid me wait till that ship didst arrive. And arrived it has not. And so I am a man bound by promise to mine master, but bound by promise to mine wife as well, and bound by the promise of God, who didst promise me a good life for good deeds here on earth. Well then, Gregor, I believe that thou shouldst this riddle of thine heart solve, and you shall find therein the adventure thou needest. Dost thou think that daddy should ever to home return, mother? Oh, we must never doubt that which we doubt in our hearts, because when your heart has power over thine head, all manner of misconduct can happen. Aye, this I do know well, but has been since mine birth that I did upon mine father's face gaze, and I am beginning to think him merely a story that thou hast told me, and not a man who did beget me. Yes, young Kenneth. Truly your father has not seen you, and nor you him, since you were pre-verbal. <laughs> <laughs> but every day, though I miss him, I see I see him in your face. You have his eyes within your head, and your nose does point the same direction. Does this mean that whatever direction my father's nose points, mine also shall point, be it an inherent situation in which I have no control? Should mine father's nose point north, then mine north shall point too. Or if mine father turns his head to the left, I shall mine head to the left turn likewise. I know not what thou meanest, mother, and I know even less of mine father. Aye, but so much alike you are. As if twins separated by years and birth. So much you are like him that it may be so that the connection twixt you is magical nonetheless. I suppose if you were to venture out into the dark night, perhaps the wisdom within your father would guide thee. But... I be merely three and ten years old, and I know not the winding channels of this Venetian jungle. Kenneth, short doth thou sell thyself. You have many, many talents, none less so than 
the near-perfect eyesight that your father has given. Aye. Well, short of thee, mother, nothing awaits me here in this small Venetian home. Therefore, out into the streets of Venice I shall take mine self and my near-perfect eyesight, and I shall either mine father encounter, or I shall mine purpose discover. Aye, Captain, we be cursed men to be so many years at sea, and yet not find ourselves dead nor on shore. Our provisions ought to have run short, and yet they do replenish themselves day after day as we replenish ourselves by partaking of them. And yet I ask thee, why no land and why no reprieve from these earthly tethers that do keep us here at sea year by year by year? I cursed we are. There, no doubt, some wicked spell hath dawned upon us. Aye, Captain. Upon all the men on this ship the curse has fallen, but it find its source in the heart of one man, and the heart of that man I shall find, and he shall find himself a new home o'erboard. For be we rid of the man who be cursed, the rest of us the curse shall be lifted from, and I do wish to see land again, though I believe I couldst not walk upon it now any easier than I could walk upon the sea, for land is still where our boat rocks eternal. From whence this curse came, I know not, I know not whence our cargo yet come neither. Ah, Captain, thou dost belie the truth, and thine unknowing, for no captain would take aboard such stock as he knew not the measure of. The curse does lie with thee, does it not? I, uh, methinks... The curse was taken by myself. And, Captain, wert thou a better man, thou wouldst have a ship thine self taken from this boat. Thou wouldst have a way rowed from thine crew so that we could find solace where thou hast been able to provide us none. A weaker man I have never known than myself. Huh. I cannot take myself from this ship, though. I have not the heart to take myself into the sea. Then I have the heart for thee, Captain. But I shall not leave thee abandoned. Nay, thou shalt have the rowboat from our sides, and provision enough to last thee a week or two, if thou be as truly cursed as we have been this past two years, then thou shalt live forevermore on the sea. A deeper curse I cannot imagine, but one I have yet earned. Overboard with the captain! Crew, overboard with the captain! Didst thou really the captain just overboard throw? Aye, we do lower that boat for him. I did hear a mighty splash. Aye, that's be the captain, and he be now swimming. For he be a man who knows the sea well enough to row it with oars or with the two arms that God did grace him with. I could use that boat. Lower the boat, crew. Lower, lower the, the boat. Boat, boat, boat lowering. Boat, boat lowering. Boat, boat. Oh, I provisioned oh, stock uh, for him. Uh, on the starboard side, please. Shall we the salted pork give him, or shall we that keep it for ourselves? For Stop, starboard. Boat, not port boat. I did, I did very much enjoy the salted pork and did intend to eat more of it, but methinks uh, we have. It's 
possible on drowning. Men, the starboard boat lower, and nay, the salted pork we give him not. We shall give him merely the hard tack in our stores. He thinks I have drowned. Oh, oh, Uh-oh. no. Oh, now we must the captain save, so we may the captain... So we may the captain, captain abandon yet again. Aye. A man overboard to save him. And now the two of them do weigh each other down as stones. And together they sink faster than the captain might have as one. Hark, 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 look. Land, land, I see. The moments the captain's head breached below the water, thus land on the horizon has formed. Aye. Truly the curse has been broken. The curse has been lifted. Rejoice, men, rejoice. Oh, Huzzah! Rejoice. We shall mourn our captain on a sadder day, but this be one. Dost thou mean on a Saturday or right. on a day that day be... Nay, on a sadder day. Why not a on a Sunday? Nay, a day more sad than this. But when oh, I do mourn... I would like to mourn on a Saturday. Yeah, when I... I don't on a Saturday like to mourn because it's my weekend. I oh, would I... prefer on Monday to mourn. We shall mourn on Monday then, and Monday be a sadder day well, than... Uh, well, I, I really How want to mourn a on a Saturday. A Saturday. All right, then we'll mourn on Tuesday. I always get outvoted on a morning day. It's just not a morning person. That's true. If mine eyes deceive me not, there be the boat my master has waited for. These two years passed, and I... It does call to me a sound as sweet as any siren Odysseus himself did hear. Oh, I would... Go to that boat were it not already on its way to me. <laughs> but nay, I need not broach the salty waves with mine manly body. I must merely wait upon the shore for that dear ship to drop anchor ear. Papa, papa! Who be this? Dost thou not then recognize me? Ay. Thou hast not since mine infancy seen me. When I do look upon thee, I think I gaze into a looking glass. Nay, not contemporary, but many years past, for thou dost have mine very visage, ere I were a boy of three and ten. Ay, art thou not then Gregor, mine father, who hast this post kept for so many years, abandoning me, Kenneth, thine son, and his family? Thou art then Kenneth, mine son. Ay, I did so say. And yet I couldst not hear it. Aye, for thine eyesight be king, but thine ears be muddied. <laughs> Nay, be my heart that is muddied, boy. For Wherefore, I canst, father? I canst not look upon thee with anything greater than sadness. For I have abandoned thee, and I should have seen thee in all the years twixt thine birth and this. And Aye. yet thou dost come to me as a stranger instead. I uh, did. My son. I did the winding channels of Venice search to find thee. And And my boy, I sort of sought thee sooner. Oh, for mine son to come chasing me. While I some drudgery, another man's task set before me, did spend my nose too as though it be the greatest book of study. Nay, thou should have been my study, son. Father, look thou seaward, for I do see that there is a ship fast approaching. (laughs) 
My son, thou hast eyes like thine father's. <laughs> My mother has oft said. Oh, thine mother I would gaze upon again. For she oh. was a thing of joy and beauty. Then thou shouldst be very sad. This is a very sadder day. A sadder day than what? Uh, no sadder day has occurred for I did a post receive in the Phoenician channels that my mother upon my exeunt from home did perish. Nay, I have not had I have not had time to grieve her yet. Abandoned by husband and son both, all her heart did break in pieces that could no longer beat within her chest. I have caused thy mother's death. Aye, and I have nowhere else to go, father. Nay, for I would not have thee flee from my side ere again. Hadst thou still a mother living, we would together to her go. But as we are two men alone, we shall forge our own new path. But this ship, father, this ship, methinks it knows not how to anchor. It comes in so quickly. Blast this ship, this cursed ship, which has mine own life cursed, though I touched the boat not. Were it a vessel that I had stood upon mine entire life, could not have swayed me more. Shall we then on this island of Venice remain, or shall we a new adventure find? We shall new adventures find, but not seaward, boy, no. We shall... Into the middle of the continent ride. <laughs> to Verona? I. You don't know why we don't know how to stop. Ah! Get out the way, boy, for this boat does come quick upon the land. I <laughs> ah! thought that the curse was lifted when the captain did this ship abandon, but Mo realizes now that the captain was the only one who this ship knew how to stop. Now we be unburdened with curses, but we be cursed with our own misunderstandings. Uh, we spent so many years at sea, and yet we could not learn the ways of the boat as the captain knew them. Uh, we rather dallied our time away, sleeping and playing at cards. Uh, we are miscreants all. Twas a misstep. I just found this anchor. Oh, I toss it down. Punk. Nay, thou dost not secure the rope to the ship first. No. Now I could be entirely gone. I never took class in anchoring. I and I did neither. I know only the anchor goes down and the boat stays put, but they must be the two of them tethered together. <laughs> this is a shadow day. Oh, a sadder day this indeed. This is a Saturday. It's a Saturday as well. I guess we could start morning. Tomorrow's a day of rest, then. We can't do anything. Aye, and so today we mourn, both the ship bereft of captain. How can we mourn today when the morn was in the morning? Uh, Do we aft today? For it's the afternoon. Aye, we shall mourn and aft today, both. And tomorrow we do rest. I'm going to aft our captain. Juliet and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Brad. And that's our show. Thank you to Juliet and Juliet. I'm Juliet. I'm Juliet. <laughs> Thanks to Megan and Sammy for being on the show. Uh, hey, how can people get a hold of you two? You can find us at facebook.com slash Juliet Improv. 
Yeah. You should like our page um, because we're out at festivals uh, as much as we can get out to them. Um, and then you'll also know if you're in the Twin Cities, you'll know if we've got shows here coming. Awesome. And, and you two do occasionally teach workshops too, right? Yeah, we absolutely. Do. Um, it's getting, especially more like around festivals around and festivals. stuff like that. Yeah. But um, we have had a couple of people ask if we'll, if we'll do something in the Twin Cities. So we'll definitely look at putting something together. It's, the answer is yes. Yeah. So, so keep an eye out for that, everybody. Uh, hey, Philip, what do you have going these days? Uh, you can always check out what I am doing at philipsimondet.com find information about the local music scene most recent one uh, that's a group not actually the local it's a little both okay uh also you can see me performing at comedy doing comedy sports which both members of juliet and juliet also yeah yeah check that out can i put in one more plug yeah please if you're listening to this and you happen to play the card game magic the gathering yes uh, i have a podcast called magic the amateuring uh that you can listen to on itunes stitcher and all that sort of stuff um and you can find us at mta cast on twitter yeah it's a great great podcast uh her and uh me and my uh business partner maria bartholdi Uh and and friends yeah Oh, yeah. No, she was very clear. They are <laughs> business partners. It is strictly business Oh, yeah, now. me and my business partner, who I do not associate with in any other <laughs> way. She also gives this qualifier to me, my duo partner, yeah. who is in duo partner, no way Sammy. my friend. Yeah, yeah. It's actually that. that that's how yeah, she says exactly. it. I gave her a Christmas present. She was like, look, buddy, you're getting a little too familiar. Yeah. yeah. So she wrapped it back up it, it gave it and back. handed it right back to me. Is, I do feel like I just, because like, because we've recently like gone more professional, yeah, I feel like right. I've just gotten into the habit of it because when you're talking to like someone that you're like leasing space from sure. or like, you, like when yeah. you're like signing paperwork, you're like my business partner. Yeah. You don't want to be like me and my buddy. Me and my friend is like, no, we're, we have a, we have a business partner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to see a lot of vegan food recipes, you can follow me on Instagram at Sammy Haley. Cool. It's mostly food and my roommate's dog, Watson, the good boy. Is that his full name? Uh, it's, uh, it's like Dr. John Watson Parish, I think is his full name. Nice. Esquire. <laughs> and uh, Philip, how can people get a hold of us? You can uh, follow us on Twitter. Next up at Pod. On Twitter. And, uh, and if people follow us, what will you do? I will ask you Phillips Corner's corner questions. Uh, so look forward to that. <laughs> uh, you can also send us an email next up at podcast at gmail.com. Like us on facebook.com. And uh, check us another other amazing podcasts out on noisepicnic.com. That's right. You can check us out on iTunes. Follow or like rate us and review us. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, you know, the... Reviews really help. It helps open us up to uh, new audiences. So that would be really great if you would do that. Um, if you review the podcast, I'll make up a Shakespearean insult for you. Nice. And I will uh, woo you in Shakespearean go. to compensate for Megan being mean to you. That's what? right. That, I don't know how we'll get those to you, but that's spectacular. That's on the table. Yep. We we will we'll be in touch with any new reviews that come up. You can also follow us on Instagram, next up at podcast on Instagram. What's up in two weeks? Up in two weeks, we have Off Book, which we are so excited to finally have on. Uh, If you don't know anything about Off Book, it's half improvised and half scripted, all funny. Until then, as always, born on a Saturday. 